0: Uh, Watching that video, a lot of memories flood back because, if you might recall, a year ago last January, I spent about 10 or 11 days in the Congo. It was just an amazing experience. It's an amazing place with amazing people, but it's also a very hard place to live and grow up, especially for, for a child. Our church has a long uh, history of connection with uh, the, the Covenant's work in the Congo. We sponsor, we sponsor missionaries like the Extrains, the Norans, certainly Marta Klein, who is a member of our church. Many would know her. And then Tom and Leanne Christie, uh, you might know them as well, are in our church. They've spent uh, a couple of years there and been there many times over the years to follow up on work and minister as well. Um, I want to uh, introduce to you in just a minute uh, Al Tizan. Uh, he, he works for our denomination as the executive minister of Serve Globally. Uh it's a wonder and he's been in that role about a year less than a year now and uh did a fantastic has a fantastic challenge and message from the first service. Uh, he's married. His wife is Janice. They have four children and three grandchildren, right? So uh, that's that's wonderful for him. Um, we he was gonna talk to you about how you can be involved to make a difference in the life of a child, and I can tell you firsthand that wonderful things are being done in the Congo through our people there and through their partners in ministry. Uh, many of those pictures uh, I recognize uh, the, those buildings and and the, the soccer fields and the fish ponds and things like that. It's this fantastic ministry that's happening over there. So let's let's listen to Al this morning with open hearts and open minds, and see how God might touch your heart today. Let's welcome Al.
1: Pastor Doug, thank you for the invitation to be with you this morning. Thank you for, in, for including the, my children and grandchildren um, in the introduction. Um, go grandparents, right? Um, because of that great privilege to be a, a father and a grandfather, the, the plight of children around the world has, has a special uh, burden on, on my heart, and, and I'm especially moved by ministries that minister to, uh, to children, so I'm, I'm happy to be here today to talk about a, uh, a special program of the Covenant Church, the Covenant Kids Congo. Lots of reasons why I'm happy to be here. Uh, one, one minor one is the fact that I'm here in Kansas for the first time. I mean, I have done a, a extensive travel the last 25 plus years because of the various hats I wear. I don't know why it took me so long to get here, Kansas. But thank you for, for inviting me, allowing me to be here. Another reason that I'm, I'm uh, really glad to be here is that, is that as the new executive minister of uh, Serve Globally, which is what the Covenant Church is calling World Mission these days, uh, I've been eager to, um, uh, to meet Covenanters around the country and world, Especially those who uh, have demonstrated a commitment to God's mission, and that would certainly include the First Covenant Church of Salina, Kansas. So, on behalf of Serve Globally and really all of the Evangelical Covenant Church, thank you, thank you, for your faithful support. Not only as a church, but many of you as individuals support our uh, our missionaries and different ministries, including Covenant Kids Congo, as well as the Paul Carlson partnership. Thank you. I do love preaching to the choir, as they say, to those who don't need convincing that participation in global mission is crucial to the task that God has called us to. So thank you very much from the bottom of my heart, sincerely, for your faithful partnership. You know, at the core of my understanding of God's mission is you and me, us, the local church. I believe deeply that the local church is God's primary agent of change in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So in my mind, it's every bit as crucial to visit local churches like First Covenant Church here in Salina as it is to uh, romp around the world working with missionaries and, and national partners. So I hope you believe me when I say it's, it's, just, it's, it's great to be here, an honor and a privilege, especially on a day that is designated Hope Sunday. I'm a big fan of hope. and I know you are too. But you know, when I think about what's going on in the world, Increasing terrorist attacks and the rising poverty and intensifying racial tensions and crazy politics, the Zika virus, earthquakes and so on. When I hear about these things just this past week, as a matter of fact, I heard I heard in our office, we, we began to pray for the two earthquakes in Japan and in Ecuador. We heard about the massacre in Ethiopia of the South Sudanese who, who were refugees in Ethiopia uh, out of which, by the way, or from that that massacre, forty plus members of the Covenant Church of South Sudan were a part of the casualties there. When I hear about these things, I can easily lose hope. Not 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 the big hope that that someday God in Christ will make all things right. That's going to happen but the hope that anything can be done right now to alleviate the suffering of so many millions of precious people made in the image of God. It's just too much, I say to myself, too big to even try to tackle. I don't know about you, but I can only watch the news for so long before I, I, I feel the weight of the massive needs around the, around the world. They begin to crush me. And by crush, I mean how helpless and uh, immobile I feel. Like a, like a pinned down, defeated wrestler. Believing that there's nothing that I can do. So I guess I'll just go about my own business. As I wait for Jesus to come back to fix everything. You know, I really could have easily gone down this uh, passive path. Not because I didn't care but because I didn't think anything could be done. Then one day, a certain biblical truth began to get a hold of me. A truth that silenced that defeated inner voice that told me that nothing can be done about the world's plight. I was having my normal devotions one morning and reading out of the Gospel of Luke and this simple but profound truth of the mustard seed It was read this morning hit me right between the eyes. You know, for for being one of the shortest parables that Jesus taught, just two verses, it packed a punch in my life, it still does. In Luke's version, it says that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. It grew, it says, and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. In this short but powerful parable, I believe, lies the inspiration to lead an active, missional life, not just for special people called missionaries, but for all of us and each of us. It teaches us that we really can make a difference if we simply be faithful to small, seemingly insignificant acts of the love of God, which in the hands of God transform the world. Came across a, a book years ago entitled The Mustard Seed Conspiracy by author Tom Stein. How many, I'm just curious, how many have, have seen that book or read that book? Okay, two of you. You need to get that book. You need to go to a used bookstore and find The Mustard Seed Conspiracy. That book has helped me uh, through the years uh, to, in my thinking about the power of the mustard seed. And I love the title. I mean, I've been plagiarizing it since I, I got hold of the book for years now. Because that, it captures exactly what God planted in my heart way back when about how to join God in the transformation of the world. One act at a time. One conversation at a time. One child at a time. I'm convinced that we really can be world changers as we take part in what Tom Stein calls the conspiracy of the insignificant. Just a couple of things I want to point out about the mustard seed, but before I do, I want us to notice that, in, that Luke's version of the parable begins with the word, in, in some versions, therefore, in the version we read, then. Whenever we see the word therefore or then... Uh, It should tell us that whatever came previously in the text needs to be taken into account if we want to understand what follows. So in this case, we have to take into account the story of Jesus healing a disabled woman on the Sabbath in verses 10 through 17 in order to understand the meaning of the mustard seed in verses 18 and 19. So as I link the healing account with the mustard seed parable. I see two main related truths concerning the kingdom of God that I'd like to share with you this morning. The first is that the kingdom of God means unexpected results. The kingdom of God means unexpected results. It looks insignificant to the naked eye, but it is in fact quite significant. No one can see it at first, but then it grows unexpectedly and becomes a huge blessing. The mustard seed teaches us that the kingdom of God means unexpected results. But at the start, it's minuscule, as small as a mustard seed. Any smaller, it would be hard to see. And if we were to judge it from its size alone, we'd think, there's nothing that's going to come of this, if anything at all. The mustard seed appears to be as insignificant as that, as that sick, bent-over woman at the synagogue whom we meet in the previous story. You see, a woman in her condition, especially when people believe that her condition was because of, of evil, would be among the invisible and ignored in ancient society regarded not only as insignificant, but perhaps even a burden in society, and perhaps because of the evil element, even someone to fear. So in verse 12, where it says that, quote, Jesus saw her, unquote, we already know that something unusual was about to happen. To everyone else, this severely bent-over woman because of an evil spirit, was too insignificant to notice. But Jesus saw her. He saw someone whom no one else bothered to see. He saw, despite her crippled, helpless state, a beautiful person made in the image of God. He saw beyond her disability. The very thing that caused everyone else to ignore her He talked to her in verse 12, and then he healed her in verse 13. Jesus saw the significance of the insignificant. The kingdom of God is like that. Jesus taught that it's like a mustard seed. Like this woman whom people didn't pay any attention to, or perhaps even avoided and feared. The kingdom of God is... Insignificant in the eyes of society, but in the caring, loving, healing hands of God, it grows into a strong, sturdy tree that birds can actually build their nests in. There's a point in the birds building their nest in there. According to most commentators, the mustard seed usually grows into something like a four or five foot shrub. Sometimes uh, it grows to about eight feet, but very rarely. Jesus' parable, the mustard seed growing into something strong enough to support bird life, Signifies abnormally abundant growth, which should tell us that in the hands of God, a seemingly insignificant beginning has the capacity to exceed all expectations. In the hands of God, the insignificant steals the show. We, we all love underdog stories, don't we? Which we can easily call mustard seed stories. What happened to... Um, to Paul Potts, for example, a number of years ago on Britain's Got Talent show, Britain's version of American Idol comes to mind. I'm sure that many of you have seen the video on YouTube. It's been out for several years now. Paul Potts was a homely mobile phone salesman from South Wales. He walks on stage and tells the panel of judges, including bad guy Simon. You remember, you remember Simon? Um, that, that he's going to sing opera. And you can see it on the judges' faces, that what they were thinking. They were thinking, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, as if to say that nothing as beautiful as opera can possibly come out of this guy. And then he started to sing. After a few lines, the audience started to wake up to something special. As he belted note after operatic note, people began to clap and cry. The the woman judge, um, Amanda something, was visibly moved. I, I mean, I was moved watching it on YouTube. I'm not even a fan of opera. It was beautiful. The point is, no one expected it. How can a voice like that possibly come out of this nondescript, seemingly insignificant mobile phone salesman from South Wales? Now, by the way, there's nothing wrong with being a mobile sales, salesman, mobile phone salesman. That, that, you just don't equate it with a, with a world-class opera voice. The kingdom of God is like that, Jesus taught, like an insignificant mustard seed that no one thinks will amount to anything, but then it grows unexpectedly big and strong and beautiful, blessing the masses. The kingdom of God means unexpected. Results, I see the Covenant Kids Congo program as an example of this. Talk about a mustard seed, which grows into a strong, sturdy tree that blesses a whole community in unexpected ways. I'm not sure you know how far sponsoring a child actually goes. I certainly didn't until I went to Congo. I was there in December. I was just there last month. And by the way, Marta says hello. Until I saw it myself, what the mustard seed of the Covenant Kids Congo has grown into, I couldn't have known. I went expecting to see at best individual children's lives improved, and and that's not insignificant, I understand that. But what I saw was, was that, plus schools for thousands of children, clean water for the whole community, A women's savings program, agricultural projects and fish farms that provided food security for an entire community. I saw these things and more. Now, now, wait a minute, all this because people in a faraway land committed to sponsoring a child? I kept asking Fred Kasongo, the director of the project in Congo, as he took us to these different sites. I, I would ask him, now, Fred, now, uh, this is great, this water tower and all, but w- what, why are you showing us this? Oh, it's part of the program, sir, he'd say. And we'd move on to uh, another site, and, and I, we'd get to a school, and I'd say, uh, Fred, why are you showing us this school? Well, it's part of the program, he'd say. And, and then he'd take us to the fish ponds, and I'd go, well, why are you showing us this? And, because it's part of the program he would say. He had the same answer to what was fast becoming a dumb question. Yes, Al, it's part of the program. I finally got it. All of these tremendously beneficial community projects are the result of the Covenant Kids Congo. The mustard seed of sponsoring a child, yes, helps that child. But it also grows as the number of sponsorships increase into a dis proportionately large tree that blesses that child, that child's family, and that family's community. The Covenant Kids Congo is a classic case of mustard seed mission, as it demonstrates smallness that results in unexpected greatness. Jesus taught that the kingdom of God means amazing, wonderful Unexpected results There's one other thing about the kingdom of God that Jesus taught through this parable That that I'd like to share he he only he not only taught that it means unexpected results He also taught that it means something that that I call holy subversion Holy subversion the kingdom of God means holy subversion because The kingdom of God upsets the apple cart, if you will. Not just for the sake of upsetting the apple cart, but for the sake of of justice and reconciliation and healing. That's why it's holy subversion, not just subversion. The kingdom of God is counter-cultural as it challenges the status quo. The status quo is basically a, a social norm But no one really questions, despite that norm, more often than not, benefiting only those in power at the expense of the common people, especially the disadvantaged. The kingdom of God challenges that kind of norm. It's holy subversion. Now, Al, where in the world did you get that out of the parable of the mustard seeds? Again, because of the word then or therefore in verse 18, we, we understand the mustard seed only with reference to the healing incident in verses 10 through 17. And if we'll recall in the healing story, Jesus was um, reprimanded by the synagogue leader for healing the woman on the Sabbath. Now, he did it passive aggressively. He talked to the crowd, but he was really talking to Jesus. Saying, Jesus, you shouldn't do this. It's the Sabbath. You shouldn't heal this person. You shouldn't have done that. How dare you heal on this holy day? He basically accused Jesus of messing with the status quo. To the synagogue leader, it was more important to adhere to the letter of the law than it was to liberate this woman whom Satan bound for 18 years in agony and pain. Jesus reprimanded him back in verse 17, putting him and his fellow accusers to shame for trying to protect a tradition, a norm, at the expense of the well-being of a person whom God created and loves. Once again, the Covenant Kids Congo provides an illustration of this holy subversion. One of the things that I discovered while I was there that really encouraged me was the fact that the child sponsorship program is run by three main churches. The CEUM, which is the covenant church there, the CECU, which is the evangelical free church there, and the Catholic church. Now, the CEUM and the CECU working together, I kind of get, even though it's still not common, for even similar churches to work together, and that's true all over the world for some reason. But then to add the Catholic Church in this project is truly countercultural and counter-traditional. Some are even disturbed by it. Yes, there are differences in doctrine. Yes, there are differences in approach. Um, and that's why, around the world, Protestants and Catholics just don't do that, the status quo would say. But in the case of the Covenant Kids Congo, it was discerned by the project leaders. They didn't just do it haphazardly. It was discerned in prayer that one church wasn't going to be able to pull off the high-impact results that the community desperately needed. I mean, imagine a community whose children were dying, whose children had no, no place, no access to education, had no water for the community. They had to walk miles to get water. I mean, it, it, was a, it was a desperate community in a lot of ways. So the project leaders decided that the Christians in the area would have to go against the status quo uh, to forego the norm of doing their own thing and instead to work together for the greater good of the community despite doctrinal or theological differences. So they formed an alliance of, of these three churches and a few more minor partners in order to provide drinking water and food security for the community, economic development, children's education, children's advocacy, and so on and so on. Christians working together across denominational lines to bring salt and light in the community of Gemina in the Democratic Republic of Congo is holy subversion. It's mustard seed mission. Beautiful, unexpected results and holy subversion. That's what we learn about the kingdom of God from the parable of the mustard seed. The call this morning is simple but profound. The Spirit beckons us to join the mustard seed conspiracy. To not let the bigness of the world's problems stop us from sowing the small seeds of the kingdom given to each of us to plant. If they seem insignificant, oh Lord, what I can contribute is so puny. Don't believe it. In the hands of God, the conspiracy of the insignificant will overtake the world. That's the good news. It will grow into a massive tree that will bless all, especially the lost, the least, and the last. One tangible way out of many other ways to join this conspiracy is to sponsor a child. A small, seemingly insignificant act, right? Lord, what's just one child in a sea of billions of needy children around the world? And the Lord's answer for us is this. Just just be faithful to that small mustard seed act, my people, and watch my kingdom grow and bless all. Like I said, I love preaching to the choir. You don't need convincing. But... Sponsoring a child is a good thing. That getting involved in God's mission is a good thing. And I am certain, as I look out, that many of you, if not all of you, are involved in some way in the mustard seed conspiracy. As you support missionaries, as you get involved in your communities, I'm certain that you are. The ask this morning, as we focus on the children in the Democratic Republic of Congo, is that you would consider prayerfully to add that Mustard seed. Sponsoring a child. Not only to bless that child, but to bless that child's family and to bless that child's community. Let's do that. What would happen? What would happen if just a hundred of us even? Let's think bigger. How about just if just two hundred of us just did that? What would happen to not only the community of Gemina, but these other places where, where the Covenant Kids Congo wants to, wants to spread It's good news. It's good work. What would happen? What would happen? Well, the promise of the mustard seed says this. What will happen is it will grow into something unexpected and beautiful and a blessing to all. Let's pray. Lord, your word is so simple and yet so powerful it doesn't allow us to, uh, to, to, uh, to read it, to internalize it, and, and then just sit passively. You call us to join you, and then you give us the power and energy and inspiration to do that. Will you help us, O oh Lord, today to renew our commitment to you and your purposes? Will you show us anew what our part is, what mustard seed you have given to us to sow? Lord, is it, is it to sponsor a child today? In addition to the other things that you have called us to, will you help us to discern these things? We will give you all the praise and glory. Thank you, O oh Lord, for the privilege of being a part of what you're doing in the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.